0: No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Messenic. Let's dig in. I sugar. I know you like- Welcome to episode 212, my Beyond Dry January class. Hello, hello, hello. How are you all? Well, I held another class called Beyond Dry January This past week, and it was really, really good. I went over the core concepts that I teach to help women stop overdrinking. And it applies to anybody, but I particularly help women (laughs) stop overdrinking and start living. And it goes beyond doing Dry January. We talk about why we overdrink. We get to the root of why we do this behavior on repeat. What we're hoping to achieve by drinking alcohol from an emotional state. I gave you solid tips to think about what happens after this month is over and to have your own back on those decisions. And I don't want you to miss out on this class. So here it is in the podcast. And also I talked about making sure that you are on the list to sign up for the next best thing, the next big thing that I'm offering for my Stop Over Drinking and Start Living work. And you got to be on the list to hear about it first because it's going to be in limited quantity. And I know sometimes we hear that by marketers and people selling things all the time, but this is actually true. (laughs) And I know that some of you won't take me up on going and signing up for that list. And I'll be like, I didn't get to know about it and now it's not available and da, 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 da. And I don't want that to be you. So make sure you go to angelamacenic.com forward slash what's dash next so that would be angelamecenic.com forward slash w-h-a-t-s dash n-e-x-t what's next we'll also link it up in the show notes but make sure you just do that right now so you don't miss So that you will be on that list and you will know and have the first opportunity to get what I'm offering. And it's going to be good, y'all. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And it's also going to be affordable. And I don't want you to miss it. So enjoy the episode. And if you want to sign up for the final dry January class that I'm doing at the end of the month, make sure you click through and sign up for that. It's going to be on Sunday, the 29th, I believe, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And we are going to do an evaluation on dry January. So I want you guys to feel good about what you've accomplished, even if it wasn't perfect. Even if you didn't do dry January, you should come and evaluate the past month. If you've been trying to change your relationship with alcohol, we're going to celebrate what went well. And then we're going to look at what you want to do differently next time and have a real plan for yourselves for what the next month or the next few months look like for you for your relationship with alcohol. And it's going to be a workshop style class. Bring your notebooks, but you don't want to miss that. So make sure you sign up for it and I hope to see you there. All right friends, have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Welcome to Beyond Dry January Masterclass. I am so excited to be here today. I've been really really loving teaching these classes throughout this month for supporting people who want to do Dry January to Um, Even if we're decided not to do dry January, like all of my classes have been really helpful for people to understand their relationship with alcohol more, um, to understand why they're drinking, tools to if they don't follow through on their plan and how to get back on track um, and how to support ourselves during our mission to drink less alcohol. So I just kind of want to get a, um, I just want to get a pulse check on where you guys are. If this is your first class with me, I want you to just say first timer in the chat, okay? If you are doing dry January and you have committed to doing dry January, hi, Lisa, welcome. Um, hi, Amy, welcome. If if you're doing dry January and you've been doing dry January all month, I want you to tell me in the chat, I'm doing dry January, Um, and then the other part of this is if you've wanted to do dry January and you have failed, no shame. I want to know who has committed to it, but it has maybe had some drinks and like, you know, has said, fuck it or, um, one of those options, right. Or maybe they had some drinks and then they're now they're back to dry January. So let me know in the chat, sort of where you are. Meg, you're doing drier January. Nice. Hi, Lisa. Going back to dry January, messed up two times, but back on track. Catherine, 18 days in, first timer, week late for dry January, never too late. Hi, Holly. Welcome. You could also just decide to pick up dry January right now, no matter what has happened in the past, what, 15 days. You can decide to be alcohol-free for the rest of the month if you want to. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Okay. Okay. Doing dry January, got off track, trying to get back. Perfect. All right. So let me just start by introducing myself. I'm Angela. seems like there's a handful of first timers here. Angela Masenek. I'm the host and the creator of the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast. I've created multiple Stop Over Drinking and Start Living programs. That's sort of my brand called Stop Over Drinking and Start Living. So we have the podcast. I have a six month coaching program with the same name. Um, I've developed shorter courses called Say Yes to Drinking Less, feel better now. I also do an annual conference called Stop Over Drinking and Start Living the Conference. And um I do a lot of these short, side for free seminars and webinars and things too. And I was somebody that overdrank for 20 plus years. Um, it kind of creeped up on me. It started with partying in college. I would never label myself as somebody who was like an over drinker. It was more like I'm a partier and I enjoy having fun and being with my friends and socializing. And then as I got older and I got more into professional professional roles, I started it started creeping in. So it would become entertaining after work on a Tuesday or stopping off for happier hours with my colleagues, or um, I did pharmaceutical sales for a long time. So I would, you know, I would entertain and take doctors out for dinner and host speaking events and things like that, where a lot of alcohol and food were involved. And so I got into wine. I lived in California. We had wine club memberships. My husband and I got married in a winery in Sonoma. Um, it was very entrenched into my identity and into my lifestyle. And I overdrank a lot. And I would try to cut back and say I wouldn't drink. And then I would find myself, you know, having wine at the end of the day and all of that. I also dieted for my entire life and I was on one extreme to the next, you know, like raw, raw juice cleanses to, you know, fasting to Adkins to any kind of diet you can imagine. I have done it. And in that dieting journey that I had, I would include alcohol in that as a way to lose weight. And it was just a very sort of tumultuous cycle that I found myself in for years and years and years. And then as I got older, I had three kids. I had a lot more responsibilities in my life. I definitely started using alcohol as a tool to manage my anxiety and my overwhelm and my resentment and my anger and all the things that, you know, kind of stacked in emotionally. And I found life coaching eventually and life coaching helped me understand myself and get to the root of why I was drinking, why I was using food to make myself feel better or what I thought about, you know, I had a lot of body image issues and whatnot. And life coaching helped me learn about myself. I understood myself so much better. Um, and I healed that relationship with food and alcohol. And then I became on to, you know, change my life so much in so many compelling ways. I went on to become a life coach, a certified life coach. And now, fast forward, I'm approaching my fifth year in business, and I've coached hundreds of women to change their relationship with alcohol. You know, I've my impact is very large with the podcast and all the free things that I do too. Um, I know this work intimately because I've been there. And so I just want you to know if I can do it after twenty plus years of up and down, up and down, up and down, you can too. Um, so even if you've been with me for a while, this is your you know, tenth class that you've taken with me, maybe I've coached you even, I just want you for today to just believe in yourself. Like even if you've lost your belief in yourself or, you know, you're doubtful about what you can do if you've had some slip-ups. I just want you to know that that's normal. Slip-ups are normal. Going back to our old ways is normal. And it's what you do when you slip up and how you treat yourself and how you talk to yourself um, that is able to propel you forward to get you back to where you wanna go or keeps you stuck. So it's not so much about counting days or doing challenges or focusing on just not drinking and hiding from the alcohol or whatever it is. It's what you do when we fail and getting to the root of why we're drinking in the first place and giving yourself time and space to solve that. Okay. So that's kind of what we're going to dig into today. And I'm so glad you're here. Um, again, close on any apps, Facebook, zone, phone notifications and give yourself the next hour or so to really dig in and hear what I have to say. Ask questions, um, know that you're in great company. This is a safe place for you to share. Um you know, what's going on with you and where you need the more support. Okay. All right. I'm going to share my screen and get organized here. Okay. Let me see. Do you guys still see me? Okay. Get the chat. Okay. Here's the chat. Here we go. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> All right. So this is make this a little bit bigger here. This is beyond dry January. I already gave you a little introduction of myself. I'm a certified life coach. Um, I have my stop over drinking and start living podcast. If you don't listen to that, I highly recommend that you go subscribe to that. It's on iTunes, Spotify. It's on my website, AngelaMazenek.com as well. I went over my story a little bit. These are just some pictures of me drinking um, that love to pop up in my memories on Facebook and whatnot. But I was very... Um, steeped in that wine culture. I believed that I needed alcohol to have fun. That was part of my identity. I was raised in a a household with a lot of drinking. And I was taught that if you didn't drink, you were sick in the mud, you needed to drink to relax to you've earned it, you're a hard worker, you know, you deserve to have drinks, um, as long as you're being responsible. And, you know, so I carried that sort of like that, that construct, that belief system around alcohol with me, As an adult. And I really believed that I would filter my friends if they didn't drink. I'm like, oh, like people that don't drink are boring. You know, I wouldn't hang out with people that didn't drink. I was very much the ringleader and getting people to go out for more drinks. Um, And yeah, so I just want you to know if that's you or that has been you you can change you can develop a new identity around this and taking little breaks like dry january or other type um cutback situations can help you see that a little bit clearer for yourself let's see so we're going to talk about a few things we're going to think about life coaching does that make sense for you i'm going to help you identify why it might be hard to make lasting change on your changes on your own with your relationship with alcohol Um, We're going to learn. I'm going to help you show you how it's possible to change your alcohol with some of my very core strategies that I teach my paying clients as well. And then we're going to answer some of your questions. So just to preface it before we get into it, this is not a recovery program. Okay. If you need alcohol to function, um, you can't get through your days without it. You're probably, this is probably not the right um situation for you I'm a life coach I help you understand the internal struggles that we have but I'm not somebody that can help you get off alcohol okay so I also want to remind you to stick around and we may even put this in the in the class here today but I've got some exciting new programs that I'm really excited to share with you but I'm not quite ready to share with you the with you just yet so I want you to get on a list um, just by entering your email so that you can be the first people to hear about this next thing. And Amanda, if you're here and you're able to drop that link in the chat now, you guys can go do that real quick before you forget or I close down the, sh- the slides. But you have to be on this list to get the first to be the first to know of this new thing. It's going to be in limited quantity and it's going to be super affordable and super fun. And I don't want you to miss out on it. But you have to be on this list. Even if you've been my client, you're currently my client, you're on my email list, you need to be on this specific list to be the first to know about what's next. And I'm just like over the moon about it. I've been working on it all day today um, since the first of the year. And we will be rolling that out and sharing that with you sometime in February. So do not miss that. So I think Amanda's going to put that in the chat. Yeah, so it's AngelaMecenic.com forward slash what's dash next. And if you guys click on that link in the chat, that should pop open a separate page for you. And you can just enter your email in there right now. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and skip this slide. But basically, like we talked about this or I've talked about this in the past. Is this you if you feel like a failure when it comes to controlling how much you drink? Maybe you've had a lot of stop and starts. Maybe you've read books, listened to podcasts, um, you know, done a bunch of some of those things, maybe shorter programs and whatnot to help change your relationship with alcohol. Um, You've had success in other areas in your life, but this is one that you just feel really stuck with and frustrated with. You can take a couple days off drinking without worrying about serious side effects. Um, or even longer breaks, but maybe you keep coming back to the same type of situation with alcohol. So a lot of people do dry January, and then by mid-year, they're kind of like back to their old ways, right? So it's not like a permanent change. Um, And then you might be scared of changing your relationship with alcohol because you think it's going to be really hard, or you're going to have to feel deprived, or your family and friends are going to, you know, push back on you. There might be some fear around it as well. So if you identify with any of that, you're in the right place. So before I get into some of the beyond dry January tactics, I just want to give you an overview about why we overdrink. And I think this is really, really important. And I really want you to pay attention to me on this. Okay. So it's not just a habit. Habits are formed because of repetitive behavior in response to how we're feeling. So all human behavior, this isn't something that is not something that you know is not true or something that I made up, but human behavior is our actions that we take based on our emotions. Okay. So our emotions, our feelings drive our behavior. That's human behavior. Okay. So we have a feeling and that feeling motivates us to go do something. Okay. And that's always running. That's our sort of our automatic system. That's always running um, from the time we wake up in the morning until the time we go to bed. So when we over drink, it's because we're seeking to feel an emotion that we currently don't feel in the moment when we drink. Okay, so let's just say you're doing dry January and you're 10 days in, and then it comes Thursday afternoon and something happens unexpectedly, and you're just like, you know, maybe you got a call from the school, or maybe you got a car issue, or you know, something like that, and you're just like, ah, right, and you feel stressed out about it, and then you come home and you're like, I just really need a glass of wine. Okay, that's you being in response to your emotions, feeling stressed, overwhelmed, tired, exhausted, right? Those feelings are, and you have a cue when you feel that way in your mind that's like, ooh, we don't like this, we need to go fix it. And if you've answered that call in the past and go drink, then you're trained your brain to go seek alcohol again when you have a similar feeling. And so then we go drink, that's the act of drinking. Okay, so when we when we drink from that place, we tend to need a lot more alcohol to get to the desired feeling state that we want than we want. Okay, so if we're feeling overwhelmed or stressed, that's just an example. You know, it's there's all sorts of feelings to drive our drinking behaviors. But we're feeling overwhelmed or stressed and we don't like that and we want to escape those feelings. We think things like I just need to take the edge off. It's been a long day. I can't handle this. And then that prompts our brain to be like, ooh, a glass of wine would be nice right now. And then we go pour a glass of wine and we drink it. And then one glass of wine is just never enough, right? (laughs) Raise your hand if you agree with that. It's never just enough to have a glass. It's like, I need four to get myself tampered down into a more neutral place so I'm not not experiencing those feelings and that brain chatter and that racing mind. So it takes a lot of alcohol to get to that desired effect, right? Right. Oh, yeah, Christine, I stopped on my birthday, December 8th for three weeks, then New Year's Eve, I drank and, and went back drinking crazy, totally listening about it's not just a habit, but the feeling that we want. Yeah. And so we just we're humans are programmed, like we have this programming system, right? And we and this is how habits are formed. So when we do something on repeat, it gets filed to the back of our brain. And then it's really hard to undo that, right? It's really hard to change our habits. It's really hard to start something new. This is why this is so frustrating, right? And so, in the past, when we've answered the call to drink based on how we're feeling or desired feelings that we want to have, and we've trained our brain to do that, it's we the the way to undo that is learning how to be with our feelings and breaking that automatic cycle. It's absolutely possible. It's how I changed my relationship with alcohol. It's what I teach people on. It's the basis to everything. Is Learning how to be with those feelings and not making them a problem and then retraining yourself that you don't, you'll be driven to go do something else instead of that negative behavior of going to pour a glass of wine. Okay. So. Another reason why it's really so hard to cut back is because we have this over-desire for alcohol. Like, we really like it, right? (laughs) We say things like, I just love my wine. I can't imagine my life without it. I just love eating with it and pairing delicious foods with it. Like, we have this sort of, like, love language attached to it, right? And so we have built this desire over time by answering our emotions with alcohol Okay. So we've trained our brains to seek alcohol when we feel these feelings or in these certain circumstances. And then that creates a a desire, right? So if you, if you know anything about like Pavlov and the dog, right? So the researchers had dogs in a lab and they would go feed the dogs. And over time, the dogs would hear the researchers walk down the hall and they knew it was time to eat. So they would start drooling, right? The drool, that desire for the food didn't exist until those patterns were created. They heard the noise They came in, the dogs got fed. Well, they wanted to see if they could reduce that desire to get rid of that drool. So they would walk down the hall and they wouldn't feed the dogs and the drool went away and they reprogrammed that. That's exactly what this is like for alcohol. It's like, we are getting cues, like environmental cues, um, circumstantial cues, all these things are emotional cues that says, ding, 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 go get a drink. And then when we answer that, we create more desire for it next time. Okay. And a lot of this time, sometimes it's just creeps up on us. And now it's like, it feels really hard to cut back. This didn't happen overnight. This happens with repetitive behavior. Okay. And so we don't know how to handle that want, those urges, that desire for it. It's just like, like we're salivating over it sometimes. Right. So we don't know how to handle that. And so we give in or we white knuckle or we resist or we hide and we're not really addressing the desire or those underlying needs that we might have for our emotions. And we give in and we feed that desire even more. There's also stigmas and labels around um, having issues with alcohol that everybody's ashamed about. And so we have um, less of a motivation to share with our family and friends like this might be something we're we're struggling with and we don't want that label attached to us. So we hold back. On getting the help that we need, and then just saying that we are not going to drink, or putting ourselves on a drink diet, or saying "I'm just doing Dry January." Those things don't help you create permanent change because you're not getting to the root of why you're drinking in the first place. So this is why it's a lot of this um, little challenges and Dry Januarys and things you find yourself coming back to where you were before. Does that make sense? So if you guys wouldn't mind, just sort of type in where you are with your alcohol, what's going on with you. Let me know, you know, if you've had success, if you're struggling right now, Um, just a little bit, a few sentences about specifically your areas of opportunity with changing your relationship with alcohol. And then like, what happens with your pattern? Is it something that you do well for a while, then you go back to your own ways, and then you stay in your old ways for a really long time until you get sick of yourself, and then you try something new. I'd love to know a little bit more specifically about you. I quit for months at a time, yet keep going back. Totally struggling, tragedy last year, still dealing with emotion and fallout. I'm in therapy, but can't seem to get it together. Struggling every day, worried about my liver. Doc said women should not have seven plus drinks a week. 20 years history, sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. It's taken me a long time to learn to feel my feelings. Can't seem to get going. Influence um, by friends. Mm -hmm. Kids and starting to get hectic. I drink daily for relaxation after a long day, and no one and one is never enough, right? Can go a month and go back to original consumption. Okay, great, and then another damp January. Okay, I personally don't love the term "damp January." I got to (laughs) say, it just sounds like 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 drab or like a wet blanket. I'm like, it's just okay to not do dry January (laughs) and to plan your drinks. Right. All right. Thank you for sharing all of that. Okay. So beyond dry January is looking past this, right? Whether you're doing dry January or not, you know, I teach how to have a drink plan. I'm going to talk to you about that, but making intentional decisions around alcohol. So right now, a lot of you are making an intentional 30 day decision to not drink. Right. Or some of you are maybe considering taking a few days off, or maybe we're just starting here. Like you want to cut back, but you haven't started yet. Right. So wherever you are, no matter what you decide, whether it's 30 days, or I'm just going to drink one drink a day for seven days, you're going to have some urges because you're changing your relationship with alcohol. And you're going to be aware of your desires so much more than you would if you just didn't do anything. You would just keep going with your old patterns, right? And you're probably not sitting with urges because every time you get an idea about drinking, you just go do it. And it's not hard, right? It's just, it's just kind of an automatic thing. So you want to understand that having urges when you're trying to cut back, no matter what you're doing is absolutely normal. Like there's no problem with urges. A lot of you guys get worried about urges or you think it's going to be terrible and you're going to have to hide and did it, like you're going to have to keep yourself so busy doing things at night because of the urges. So I just want you to know it's fine. Like I really want you to look at what you're telling yourself about urges. Like what do you tell yourself about urges? Put it in the chat right now. Oh, you think urges equal weakness. Interesting. You don't like them. I always give in to them. Something is wrong with me. Urges are hard. Yeah. So this is this is normal that you guys think that by the way. <laughs> We've been programmed kind of to think about this as being difficult right? Whenever we do something new, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And that can be true, right? Like we're changing our human behavior right now. And so that can be challenging, but urges, if you know how to do them the right way, the way I teach them actually don't have to be scary at all. Okay. Urges, it does not mean that you're weak. Just because you guys have urges, it actually means that you're functioning as a human. Like everybody, we have urges to do things all day long, right? It's like, I'm having an urge for something sweet in the afternoon. I'm having an urge for my coffee. I'm having an urge to pick up my Facebook and scroll. You know what I mean? We have urge, I have urges to go exercise. I have urges to get up in the morning at a decent time. I have urges to do my work. Like urges are just that feeling that you get is to go do something. That's all it is. And so notice, I just like to kind of like soften your ideas around urges and alcohol look at the different urges you have throughout the day. You know, like we, if we didn't have an urge to go do something, we would not get out of bed in the morning. So urges aren't a problem and you want to expect them. It's not a sign of weakness at all. It's a sign that you're a totally function functioning human being. Okay. You've just trained your brain to want something and now you're not doing that. And so your brain's like, what the heck's going on? Like, that's what we do. And so what do you mean you're not going to do it? I'm going to urge you to go do that. That's just our pattern because it's been now developed into a habit and your brain wants to take the easiest way possible to get you what you want in the end. And so it's going to give you some desire, some urges to go do that because that's just always what it's done. There's nothing wrong with you. And even if you give in to the weakness or the, if you give in to the urges and you feel weak about that, there's also nothing wrong with you. This is just our human design. Okay. Okay. So I want to talk to you about allowing versus resisting your urges. When you guys are like, you're talking about resisting your urges or avoiding your urges. That's like, that's because you have a belief that they're terrible. You're like, I don't want that. Right. But I want you to welcome your urges. Like really think about tonight, if you're not drinking and you have an urge for alcohol, or you might have an urge for alcohol, you're like, I'm going to welcome that in tonight and see what happens. Because when you welcome the urge, you're like, yeah, I expected you, I I have programmed my brain to want alcohol and now I'm not drinking it tonight. And so I might have some desire for it. That's absolutely normal. I'm going to breathe through that. So what you want to do is you want to recognize that you're having an urge instead of just like letting it drive you into the pantry. You're going to stop and say, oh, I'm wanting alcohol. I recognize I want alcohol right now. And then, oh, where do I feel that in my body? And you take a big, deep breath. You just breathe and you relax. You know, you like kind of do with some yoga breathing, like from your head to your shoulders, to your chest. Did you kind of notice how I kind of like my, my shoulders went down? Relax your jaw. Notice where you're feeling that vibration in your body. Okay. And you just use your breath to kind of focus in on that area and you relax. You don't want to think at this time. Okay. So it's like, you're thinking about alcohol. You might have some chatter. You say, oh, I'm having an urge for some alcohol. I'm not doing that. So let me go in and do what Angela says and allow this, this um, urge and this desire to be here with my breath. So you just relax into it and you breathe and you focus on where you're feeling any of that, like tightness in your body with your mind. You say, oh, where am I feeling this? You notice, like, oh, I'm feeling my shoulders, my throat feels tight, my mouth might be watering. And you use your breath to focus in on those areas and relax around those areas, okay? That's processing. It's like kind of like a use your breath is like a little machine to kind of break up that urge and that desire that's in your body right now, okay? We're not thinking about drinking or not drinking. We're using our our mind to focus in on where we're feeling this in our body, okay? Yeah, Julie, I know the urge is more to numb out than to drink the alcohol. Yeah. So it's like the urge is more like if you think about like a the cake or a cupcake, like the urge is like the top layer. Okay. Once we kind of move past the urge, urge is just like driving our behavior. And we, we kind of scrape that off the top. And we're like, okay, what's there? Why do I want this drink right now? Right. And a lot of you will say things like, cause I'm bored or I had a bad day. Or I just want to relax. Those are those feelings that are like that cake layer now. That's the reason why you want it. It's not the urge. The urge is just getting you to go do it because of the underlying reason. And so that's a really good question that you can ask your, yourself. Is like once you recognize you want it and you let yourself process it. And then the next question could just be, why do I want this right now? What do I think it's going to solve for me? And then your brain will tell you, it'll be a pretty quick response. If it says, I don't know, just like, well, maybe guess, like, what if you did know what, what happened today? Am I stressed out? Am I lonely? Am I bored? And just figure that out and get more awareness there. And then we can work on processing those other feelings that are there. Okay. So this is just, I love this picture. It's me and my 40th birthday drinking club soda. And all my friends are drinking alcohol around me dancing at a club in Chicago. <laughs> and there's no desire here. Like this was not a problem for me. Because I had done that work. I let myself process my urges before this. I was uncomfortable at times. But eventually, once you stop answering that call, um, you don't have as many desires or urges for it. It's not as It's not as interesting to you. It's not, you're not like compelled to go do it because there's no reward on the other side, just like the Pavlov's dogs. So we want to have the desire. We want to process that desire, process those urges and then not answer it so we can reduce our desire, just not care about it as much. And y'all, I am fostering a little dog right now and he. I might have to step away from the computer real quick. (laughs) He was entertained and now he is... um, walking. Oh, he's good. He's laying down. He's a good boy. Maybe he'll come over when I'm done and I'll show him to you. Mm. Okay. I'll show you. Well, when he gets up, he just laid down. If he gets up again, I'll show you. Okay. I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to, um, disrupt him. Okay. So we talked about urges. Okay. We talked about a desire. That's all normal work on allowing yourself to be with that instead of resisting it. Okay. If we resist it, I just want to go back here. If we resist it and we're like, I'm having an urge or we go watch TV or we go eat something or we keep ourselves overly busy. We're not addressing that desire. Right. So like the next time we're in that situation, that urge is still going to be pretty present and you haven't really solved anything. That's why like hiding all month during dry January, not seeing your friends, not going out and doing your life like you normally do. You might at the end of the month feel very strong, compelling urges to continue drinking. You know, we want to, we want to address, use this as an opportunity to allow yourself to be with these feelings process this and reduce your desire. So take advantage of this. I recommend that you go, go out for dinner, go see your friends, right? Like put yourself in some of those situations that you normally do have fun. Maybe just go for a little bit at the very beginning and leave early. You know, you don't need to like torture yourself with a four hour going out to the bars events with your friends, (laughs) but like, maybe just go for 90 minutes and you like, Oh, I'm going to, this is an opportunity for me to practice my urges and to reduce my desire. And then you go home and you support yourself with some tea, go to bed early, whatever that is. But um, I want you to consider being okay with your urges and accepting them and allowing them versus resisting, okay? We're not addressing anything when we resist, hide, or just distract ourselves so much, right? We're not gaining any skills there. Urges, learning how to manage your urges is a skill that you can have for anything in your life, not to yell at your kids. Not to snack food at night, um, not to procrastinate. Like learning how to be uncomfortable with this and process this and recognize this is something that we can use way beyond changing our relationship with alcohol. Okay. So the other part of this is, okay, I'll show you. He just got up. Come here. Come here. Hold on. I'll be right back. Let me grab him. Come here. Come here. Where are you doing? Come here. Are you ready for the cuteness? <laughs> this is Milo. Isn't he cute? He's a little chihuahua mix. <laughs> he's a good boy. He's a good boy, but he's um not body trained. So I have to keep a very, very close eye on him. He's very sweet. Yeah, he's a good boy. All right, there he is. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Let me make it bigger. How can I do this? Stop share. Here we go. Yay. Here's Milo. He's got like a cartoon face. He's here. Look at his little and his ears stick up when he's um like excited. <laughs> he is really cute. He has really long, thin legs. He's only like eleven pounds. He's really tiny yeah he's a good puppy so good boy are you a good boy you want to raise your ears for them are you a good boy no (laughs) oh all right we'll just hold him for a minute okay let me go back to my screen (laughs) he's very distracting y'all like i'm just like he's and i have my other dog is Edie is in here too and um yeah They just like them sleeping on my couch in here. It's like, oh, I just like take pictures of them and stuff. I know he's so cute. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. Share my screen. Okay. Here we go. Um, I can just hold him. Hold on. Here we go. Don't you wish you could have your little doggies in your office? Um, Okay. So I want to talk about thoughts. And your thoughts about your relationship with alcohol and what you can and can't do really do impact what results that you could possibly get with changing your relationship with alcohol. So when you're thinking about doing dry January or whatever, whatever you decided to do, planning your drinks, taking a break, whatever, your mindset is the most important thing. Okay, yes, we have to work through our urges. Yes, we have to establish boundaries for ourselves. All of that stuff, right? We have to learn how to process our feelings. But the way you think about it will determine whether you are successful long-term. Okay, so if you have thoughts like, I can't do this without wine, not drinking is boring. I don't wanna be uncomfortable. They're gonna have my favorite. Everyone's gonna be drinking around me. This is gonna be hard. All of those thoughts, are gonna make it so much more difficult for you. It's also very normal to have these thoughts, but you can manage how you think about this by getting aware of your thoughts. So if you have these thoughts, it's really good for you to just start to be conscious of them. Maybe write them down you know, in on a journal or a piece of paper, like, what do I think about my relationship with alcohol? And then you wanna be like, okay, I'm thinking this way, Did you know that we could change the way we think? (laughs) Like that is like a really awesome thing to do for yourself. If you don't manage your mind and learn how to think in a way that's going to help you get to your goals, then you're going to be kind of circling. It's like having no direction, right? And it's just like your mind creates the results in your life. And so if we don't clean that up and get awareness of what we are thinking, we can just find ourselves circling right back to where we started. So I would recommend looking at it in a way you can think about it differently. So a great question you can ask yourself is, how can I think about this that will actually help me be successful? How can I think about this that will actually help me be successful? And so on the right hand here, it says there's some new thoughts you can try. I can have fun and not drink. I can get creative. I'm choosing to be uncomfortable. My favorite wine will always be available should I choose to have it another time. I'm looking forward to remembering my nights and I can do hard things. Like these are way better, more empowering ways to think about changing your relationship with alcohol. So if you don't believe you can do it, that's going to be your result. Unless you start working on those beliefs that you have about yourself. Does that make sense? Let me know if you guys have questions on that. So this is really helpful to have a coach or somebody to help you see how you are thinking and how it's creating your the results in your life. So this is what I do. Like during coaching calls, people come on and they're like, this is what's happening. These are my thoughts. And I'm like, okay. And like, I help them extract their thoughts and help point their mind in a direction that is gonna be help, more helpful for them to gain the results that they want. And a lot of times, even me, like I have coaches and things. It's like, I can't, sometimes we just don't see that it's our mind and these stories that we tell ourselves. So we need somebody like support to kind of help us dig through that a little bit and put us back on the right track. There's no shame in asking for help, no matter what it looks like for you. This is hard. And we have these ingrained belief systems, not only just about alcohol, but all a lot of different things in our lives and having somebody help you navigate that is super, super helpful. So don't dismiss getting support for, for this type of thing either. So Regardless of what you're doing, dry January or not drinking Monday through Thursday or just trying to only have one or two drinks a night, you get to decide what that looks like. You get to decide what your relationship with alcohol looks like. There's no more virtue like you're not a better person if you're drinking less or or drinking more. You're not bad if you decide that you want to drink more than somebody else. You're not better, okay? if you decide you want to drink less or abstain. The only thing that you want to do is, Is really learn how to check in with yourself and decide what is best for you. What is it that you actually want? And then to listen to that and then go execute. And then we can evaluate it and then make changes going forward. But really, you know, what's best for you in your life and life coaching can help you learn how to get that out of yourself, how to extract What's the best thing for you in your life so that you can look to yourself for the answers for anything instead of needing external validation, somebody else to tell you what to do? You know what's best for you. Right. And we d- definitely, like before life coaching, I didn't know that. That's why I followed all the different diet programs and detoxes and cleanses and all the things. It's because, like, I thought the answer was out there, but really the answer is in here. I know what's best for me in my life. And I, I am somebody that I can teach you how to find out what's best for you inside too. you know, our society program, especially women to not be able to think for ourselves and to think I need to do that. They're doing that. I want to follow that plan. You know what I mean? Instead of like, what is actually good for me? That's what I want to do. And then you do that. Okay. And finding that within yourself is the best solution. You know, it's, it's definitely helps to have a coach or a guide or something like that to help learn how to do that. But when you come to the conclusion that this is the best thing for you, then you are way more likely to follow through on it than following somebody else's advice that may not be as good for you as what you can find on your own. Yeah. So Tatiana, my thought still is it's fun to feel giddy and tipsy. Yeah. So you guys need to think, you know, Tatiana, we've talked about this before, like is that the full picture? Is it always fun? Like, is it fun the next day? Is it fun later that evening? You know what I mean? So if you don't think the whole thing is fun, then I would start changing that thought. Yes, you try to replace it with, it's fun to feel genuine happiness because of who I am, not fake. Love it. All right, so I wanna talk about the planning because this is what something that you guys wanna do, whether you're doing dry January now or you've tried to do dry January this month and you've you know gone back on that, planning is going to be everything. No matter what sort of challenge or thing that you de- decide to do with alcohol going forward, especially if you are committed to doing dry January and then you don't really know what that looks like after this month is over, this section on planning is going to be very important for you. He laid back down. He's a good boy. <laughs> Okay. So, one of the big boundaries that I have for myself and I recommend to my clients or anybody that listens to the podcast or takes my classes, you want to plan your drinks at least 24 hours in advance. So, a very hard boundary that you all want to have with yourself is that we do not make same day decisions around alcohol. You do not wake up in the morning and say and then some, you know, get an invitation to dinner, and then you go out to dinner and you drink that night. Okay? Because our, when we make same day decisions, it's usually because we are driven by our feelings. If you make outside of that 24-hour window decisions, that's you're engaging the higher part of your brain that act, that you can think through, think into your future. You have you can engage with your goals. But that in the moment type brain, that lower part of your brain that just wants what it wants, if you do that within that 24-hour window, you're likely more engaging with that sort of like old part of you that has those patterns and habits and wants to escape your feelings and doesn't want to be uncomfortable. So hard boundary. really try to commit to that. I do not make same day decisions around alcohol. So you want to plan your drinks at least 24 hours in advance. I recommend you make a weekly drink plan. So like at the start of the week, or even just now for the next seven days, you decide what that looks like for you. If you're going to be drinking, or if you want to put a certain number of drinks on your plan on certain days. Okay. Does that make sense? Melissa, tell me more about that. You said, I find it's hard to be accountable to myself in this way, much easier to uphold and be accountable to others. What do you mean by that? Are other people preventing you from not drinking? Cause I think that's what people want. I think we have this idea, like it's easy, like for our kids, let's say, you know, I, I coach a lot of people that have grown kids or young kids and they've too much in front of their kids and there's issues with it. Okay. And they're like, well, my kids want me to change. It's not good for my kids to see me do this, or my kids have said something to me about it. And so we want to be accountable to them. Right. And that's awesome that you want to change your relationship with alcohol to, have a better relationship with your kids or to model better behavior to your kids, but it's not motivating enough for us to want to change. This has to come from, from you. Okay. And when it comes from you, like I was talking to you earlier, your internal drive and learning how to be accountable to yourself is when it's going to become permanent. But when you're doing it for somebody else or some external reason like that, we always go back to our old ways. It's just not enough because we don't find that within ourselves to want to do that work. Ah, got it, Melissa. Not No, just being accountable to self is harder than to other commitments outside of myself. That's a belief that you have right now, Melissa. That's a thought that you believe. And so when you, like, how how often have you believed that? Have you been conscious of having that belief about it's easier to do things for other people than it is for myself? A lot of people think that. And then that becomes their truth that actually turns into an actual result in their life. So I would work on that one. Right. So maybe you would shift it to I'm working on making myself a priority as much as I do other people. I want to make myself as a priority like I do other people in my life. OK, instead of just saying it's easier to do for others than it is to do for me. That's not going to get you very far in learning how to hold yourself accountable. Right. You're welcome. Yeah. I can see that telling someone else out loud can help me keep accountable to myself. Yeah. So thank you, Melissa, for all of this. I'm not saying you shouldn't communicate your goals to people. I think that's actually very helpful to hear your own mind, verbalize what you want to do, putting that into the universe. Like that will help you more, right? So that's why getting a coach, being in a program, telling your spouse, telling your friends, Hey, I'm working on this. I don't, it's not so much that you need them to hold you accountable, but it's like you're putting your intentions into the world and that helps you get what you want, right? It's like asking the universe, like, I want support. I'm doing this. And that regurgitation of you sharing your goals out loud, you hear your mind saying it out loud and it helps reinforce actually what you want to be doing. And the friends and the family and all that can come in but we actually don't want people to tell us that we shouldn't be drinking. That's not on your plan. Are you sure you want that? Like we actually don't like that. Right. (laughs) So I would just be careful of like telling people that's what you want, because in the moment when you want something, right. Raise your hand in the moment you want something. And somebody says, is is that on your plan? Or do you really want that? You're like, right. We don't need that. And it doesn't really help. (laughs) Lots of hands going up right? That doesn't feel great. And so we're like, okay, I recognize I want this. This is what I did with my husband. I never asked him to tell me, don't let me drink tonight. It was like, oh, honey, this is really interesting. I'm having an urge for some wine. I'm not going to drink it, but I'm actually like, I'm having an urge right now. And I would just kind of verbalize that with him. He's like, hmm, you know, he didn't really know what to say about it, but that is what I'm talking about. Like sharing what you're doing, sharing what you're going through with your people. That is in support of you, but not needing them to do anything about it. Does that make sense? (laughs) What Tatiana, what thought? (laughs) Ooh, you hate the food and the wine police, right? Like we police ourselves enough. We don't need, we don't need anybody else to do that for us. Now, if your husband is somebody or your spouse is somebody, your friends are somebody that like are constantly showing up. Hey, I got, I brought home your favorite wine tonight. It might be helpful to be like, "Hey, you know, I I love that you're bringing me wine. I love that you think about me and you, you know, want me to have some pleasure and you bring me these things. I'm really trying to cut back. You know, if you bring it home for me, I may not I may save that for a special occasion. I may not, you know, open it that night." Or would you mind for just the next week not to bring any wine home? Like, it's okay if you forget or whatever, but I probably, I really am trying to cut back. And so I don't, I don't want to drink that. Like that would be a really sort of like, thank you for the gift and um, heads up. I'm working on this and I probably won't be drinking it or it may not be the same day. Yes. Self-priority. Yep. So when we're coming, even for the rest of the month, recommit to dry January. So I would recommend you writing out that plan like for the next seven days, no wine, no wine or no alcohol, right? Zero, zero, zero on your drink plan, right? For the rest of the month, if that's what you want to do. If you're not doing that and you want to just start cutting back, decide what that looks like in the next seven days. And remember, there's no right or wrong here. You get to decide what that looks like. But think about what kind of relationship you'd like to have with alcohol and try to make your drink plan closer to that. If you're drinking four drinks a night now, maybe you do two, you know, it doesn't have to be this big extreme thing. That's also something I want to touch on when we, at the beginning of the year, we all like to just jump in, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people are just like, I'm ready to ready for a fresh start. And they do all the dieting. They cut back on their alcohol. They want to start a fitness routine and it's too much. What, what helps with long lasting habit change is baby steps. And being willing to take it slow and stacking things. I get really good at following through on your drink plan for a week. If it's zero or if it's two or four or whatever you put on there, I'm consistent. I'm following through on myself. I'm gaining trust with myself. And then if you want to change it for the following week, go, you know, put a little bit less on there and keep going that way instead of just, you know, going in hard and then having failures and then beating yourself up and then just not doing anything, right? that's that stop and start cycle again that doesn't get us very far so baby steps you guys the, a lot of you have been struggling this struggling with this for years decades right and so it's time to start thinking about doing it differently what's right for you you get to decide what that looks like there's no right or wrong just ask yourself what would be what would feel really good to do for like the next 7 days with alcohol and then do that write it down work on your urges Look at your mindset and repeat, okay? It doesn't have to be so complicated. It doesn't have to be so hard, okay? Yeah, you guys are definitely not alone. All right. So going back to our mindset, understand what you're thinking when it comes to alcohol. Look at the story you keep telling yourself. Alcohol is fun. We're not drinking is boring. Your mind, your thoughts, those sentences that are running up there create how we feel, okay? And then our feelings drive our actions of drinking, (laughs) all right? So we got to back it up and and look at what's going on internally for ourselves. That's the solution. You guys have the ideas in your mind, like, what can I think that is going to be better than what I'm currently thinking to help me have the relationship with alcohol that I want to have? Borrow some of these thoughts that you've learned. In the classes, I share a lot of stuff on my podcast, you know, get going with some of it, but ultimately you guys have the best thoughts and ideas in your mind. Okay. The other part of this is a lot of you guys maybe have failed or don't follow your drink plan. Okay. So your drink plan for January might be 30 days without it. If you didn't succeed at that, a lot of you guys just go into like, see, I can't do it. It's going to be damp January now. And it's like, how about we just be really patient with ourselves be like, I recognize that I didn't follow through last night. What? I wonder why. Have you guys ever asked that? I wonder why I didn't follow through last night instead of going into, I can never do anything. And I'm gonna do damp January and just the the whole month is ruined and I'll try again some other time. If you change that to, I wonder what happened. I wonder what what triggers I had or why I, I went off plan last night and you go do that in your journal or on a piece of paper, you're going to learn something. And then you're going to be so much more equipped to handle whatever you, that whatever you get clear on, you're going to have an answer to like how I could handle that differently next time. Okay. And then you just, my recommendation is just to keep going with your original plan. The plan that you made at the beginning of the month about what you wanted to do or the beginning of the week. You don't want to just say this week is ruined. This month is ruined. This weekend is ruined. I'm going to pick my plan back up and follow it, even though I had this failure, because I'm learning how to trust myself. I'm learning about what my triggers are. Mistakes are going to happen. I'm not a perfect person. I'm a human, right? I'm not a robot. And I know this is a part of the process, right? You guys would make so much more progress towards your goals if you would do that. And that's what I highly recommend that you don't need to quit like all these little micro quits that we do and say, screw it, it's now damp or whatever it is that we tell ourselves that prevents you from moving to the direction that you want. Okay, so we want to be super gentle, super kind to ourselves, get curious about what happened and figure that out when we have a slip up. Yeah, Jennifer, yes, for me, it's always when I had an issue at work and an argument an upsetting incident happens, I immediately then give myself permission to drink, even though I had planned to stay sober. Yeah. So Jennifer, for you, you got to figure out what those feelings are. What are you feeling when all that stuff happens? Angry, um, upsetting, right? Some feeling in there is driving you to go do that. That's what I would work on. What if we got good at feeling those feelings and letting yourself be upset? Sometimes we should feel upset right feeling negative feelings isn't a problem we're humans and we're supposed to have a range of emotions and a lot of the problem is we're programmed as our society to believe that negative especially around females we're programmed to believe that our negative feelings are a problem and that we shouldn't be upset we're taught this as young kids what are you so upset about you have everything you need right let me give you something to cry about you know like there's there's just we're taught as young kids that our emotions are problems and then we carry that into our adulthood, and so when we have these negative emotions, we're like, "Ugh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. This sucks. I want, I want to get rid of it, right?" And then we go find shit to come in and and help us feel better. That doesn't really actually help us feel better, and it doesn't solve anything, right? This causes more negative emotions when you wake up, and the next morning you're upset with yourself that you didn't follow through yet again. Okay, Allison. Hi. I'm always hard on myself when I make mistakes of any kind. I think I have to be perfect. Yeah. not supposed to be perfect. We're humans. We're animals. We're not set up to be perfect. We have a human brain that's programmed to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and to save energy. (laughs) So it's literally it's drive is for you to like, not do a lot and to seek out pleasure. So you stay alive. Okay. And so we're dealing with that. And we're trying to make these changes. And of course, we're going to make we're going to make mistakes like Clearly we're supposed to make mistakes in our lives because that's what everyone does. Everyone makes mistakes. And we wouldn't tell a kid, you know, hopefully that you suck and you're never gonna figure this out and what's wrong with you. And you might as well quit when they're trying to learn something. And so we really wanna watch ourselves when we find ourselves doing that to ourselves because that is not motivating. That makes us wanna go back and drink because it doesn't feel good. It feels shame or frustrated, right? And those are feelings that drive more of the behavior that we are trying to stop. <laughs> so it doesn't work. It's not a good strategy. Meg, so if your biggest trigger is being bored, like let yourself be bored and then ask yourself, what, what could I do that's different? What do I want to do in my life? Is there Is there something that I'm missing? Is there a hobby that I could pick up? Is there something I could explore? You know, like letting yourself be bored is actually a time where you could get creative. You know, maybe you go outside for a walk and think about what you want to do or, you know, like start to, try to think of that in a different way. Like there's other ideas that you can come up with besides drinking and scrolling on your phone. You're a smart person. We are all very smart and capable. Don't forget that. We've done a lot of big things in our lives, right? Like we've overcome a lot. We've accomplished many things. And I think we forget that when we look at some of this harder stuff like changing your relationship with alcohol. You guys can do this. <laughs> You absolutely can do this. None of you are incapable of this. Like you're there's not anything wrong with you. You just need to you need to apply some of these tools that I'm teaching you and be consistent. And you know, I'm not any smarter than any single person on this call, I promise you. Yes, you can. Okay. It's easy to hate yourself. It's hard to find the love and compassion for yourself and your failures. And I invite you to do it anyway. We are programmed to do that shame cycle and to be hard on ourselves. I don't know why we just are. Everybody is. It actually takes more work for us to say, oh, I don't want to do that to myself right now. I'm going to, I'm going to be loving right now and figure out what's going on so I can learn from it. That takes more intention, more awareness, more time, but it will get you better results. If you're nicer to yourself and you take the time to figure out what happened and you learn from that, you will get to the end of, you know, you will accomplish your goals. So here's just a little before and after me. Rainbows all the way. (laughs) Okay. So that's what I got for you all today. So I don't want you to be worried about dry January being over or, you know, if you made a mistake during dry January or what's next. You guys get to decide what that looks like. Work on those urges, make a drink plan, manage your mind and get on the list (laughs) so you can come join me in my next amazing offer. And I'm totally doing something different. And you guys don't wanna miss out on this. It'll be super fun and supportive and amazing and affordable. So make sure you guys go to angelamacenic.com forward slash what's dash next, okay? And I'm gonna stop sharing my screen and come back to you. Okay. Hi. What question can I answer for you? I call myself human. The blame falls on alcohol as an addictive substance. Yes. Alcohol is an addictive substance and we're all prone to it. Okay. Everybody is prone to addictions. That's part of our human design. Okay. For some people, it's food. Some people, it's shopping. Some people, it's sex. Some people, it's drugs. Oh, online, Facebook, right? We're all addicted to stuff, right? It's not just alcohol. We're programmed to become addicted to things. And alcohol is a concentrated thing that our, when we drink, our brain gets a big hit of dopamine and it's like, Ooh, we like that. Let's go get more. And it urges you to get more. Okay. There's nothing that we can't undo and focusing less on the alcohol and focusing more on our, what's happening internally, like our emotions and our mindset about stuff. And what we believe about ourselves, that's where we're going to become empowered and not let alcohol run it. Ooh, it will be out in February. (laughs) So there's, you guys can't, unless you're already in my coaching program, there's no way that you can join one of my programs right now. Um, But you can listen to the podcast. We've got all of our dry January classes. I'll probably be doing a couple of free things next month too. Um, but just start with the basics, learning to play, you know, process those urges, planning your drinks. If you make a mistake, go do the evaluation. What happened? What can I learn from this? And how can I move forward? And you will get very far. And then you, you'll be on the list to hear what's next. And it's going to be super, super fun. And there's going to be, it'll probably sell out in 24 hours. That's my guess. So you gotta be on the list. Oh, you're you're doing Lent with your very supportive friend, plan to carry dry January all the way over to the start of Lent. Good for you, Lisa. I can't wait to tell you guys about what's happening next. I'm super excited. All right, we can stay on for a couple more minutes. What other questions can I have for you? Do you guys feel prepared? Do you feel like you have more in your toolbox to handle the rest of this month and kind of what's after dry January? If you feel like you're missing anything, this is your chance to ask me questions or get to get dive deeper on one specific area. If my boyfriend tells me he drank, I want to to be on the same page. How do I not? It's a great question, Christine. So I think you just need to recognize when your boyfriend says I drank or I want to drink, and then you recognize, oh, that triggers me to want to drink. So just recognize that, right? So when he does this. I want to do this. And what you want to do is like, okay, so what is my original goal? Because really that's just a trigger. That's just an in the moment response to what he's doing. And remember, we don't make decisions, same day decisions. Okay. So you have to back up to what was my original goal? Why did I make that original goal? What was my plan? So goal plan, I'm using that word interchangeably. So if your goal was to do dry January, your plan was to do dry January, or even just in a very acute time period, if your goal or plan was to not drink that day, that that happens, you just want to remember that. Okay, I recognize that my brain is triggered right now because he's doing something. And that is a pattern that we probably have had together. It makes sense that I want to do it too. But I remember that I have made a plan for myself and there's no alcohol in that plan right now. This is an opportunity for me to process and feel my urges and to honor myself and to really like it's hard because you're in the moment you're in that trigger because you've been prompted to think about it in that way, because that's probably what you have used to been doing. Your brain is, wanna, is going to want to try and convince you that it's a good idea. OK, so that's why we don't want to really engage with these same day decision type stuff. And so it might be hard for you to recognize, no, that's not like, it might not feel true for you to say, that's not really what I want to do when the truth is in the moment you do want to, because you're being triggered. So go into your body process and feel those feelings, make yourself a mocktail, maybe, you know, have some nice drinks and things and teas, like get all the nice supportive drinks that you want, have those in your home. And be like, oh, how can I be with him and, and be with him and have maybe a nice non-alcohol drink with him? And, and I can still connect with him in that way. Does that make sense? List of non-alcohol ways to reward yourself besides food. I think you guys should write down that list. What are some ideas that you guys have that would be rewarding for you? What, what do you like? What do you like to do? How do you like to spend your time? <laughs> Right, So, I mean, I have all my things. I love going for walks with my dogs. I love having a nice comforting cup of tea. I love taking my nice bubble baths with my Lush bath products. Um, I love washing my face and putting on really nice skincare. Um, Those kind of things are rewarding for me. Getting a good night's sleep is rewarding. Going to bed early, wearing really nice pajamas, having nice sheets. Um, Just like kind of like really taking good care of myself. Those are kind of like my rewards. Those are my regular type of self care things. But that's, you know, that's pretty personal to me. And I've understood what I've liked over time. You guys know what's good for you. So I recommend you guys ask that question to yourself. And then write down a list of things that you can do as rewards that don't involve food or excess, you know, more drinking. Sure, Allison. So the, if you have an overdrink, you want to ask yourself what happened, right? So like, what was I feeling? What was I thinking in the moment that I chose to go off my plan? And maybe even like what went well, like, so I had a plan, you know, I did all of these things. Maybe I listened to Angela's podcast. Maybe I did some journaling that day. You want to highlight things that you actually did do to support your goal. And then what would I do differently next time? So, you kind of have a little bit of a strategy, you are aware now of like what you're what happened, like what you're thinking and feeling. And okay, so if that comes up again, what would I be willing to do differently next time? And then you have created a little strategy for yourself, and you're just so much more aware of your patterns and what you do in those patterns. Of course, we don't like to be called alcoholics and, but we can't control what other people call us, right? So when they say that, that's an opportunity for you to feel, for you to connect and decide, I don't believe that that's that's me. And it's okay that they have their thoughts, even though I don't like hearing it. They can think what they want. I know what's true for me. And just acknowledge that, yeah, nobody likes to be labeled that way, right? Like that doesn't feel good. And that's okay. Right? We can't control sometimes what other people say about us. So there's a question here about how many drinks is enough for me? The thing is, when you're working on your relationship with alcohol and you want to keep alcohol in your life, you're going to have to get good at it not feeling like enough. <laughs> okay. When we, when we use that language, like that's not enough, it's because we're trying to manage our emotions. We want to get so buzzed enough that that feels like that's enough for us. And when we, when we're in that Place is because we're using alcohol as a tool to escape how we're feeling and thinking. Okay, so we have to work on it not feeling like enough and being okay with it not feeling like enough and working through our urges after we've had our planned drinks. And when you do that, your desire will go down. So if you're normally drinking four drinks a night, And that is, you feel like that's enough for you, but you recognize that's too much really because you're not feeling good. It's not, you know, whatever, like that's a lot of alcohol and you want to move to like maybe two would be your ultimate goal. You have to practice having two and then being with the urges for more and learning how to be in that discomfort and processing those urges and getting awareness of your thinking and all of that inside my programs. I help you do that. Um, so if you are here and you're in my six month coaching program, we have a special workshop called how to stick to your plan, drink Amount, and work on reducing your desire to get to that more of an appropriate amount of alcohol for you and what's healthy for you. You can do this Holly. Melissa, the same tips for on vacation, have a plan. You want to have your plan written out ahead of time visualize yourself being successful there instead of worrying how it's maybe not going to go how you want it to practice thinking about how it could go well. And exact like picture exactly what you want to do and how you want to show up for yourself there. So it just takes some intention, a willingness to be uncomfortable, letting yourself be, have those urges building in some time for yourself while you're on vacation. If there's a lot of people going around communicating out your plans to the people that you're on vacation with, you know, hey guys, heads up. I'm, you know, I send a text. I'm not drinking a lot this weekend. I'm probably going to have drinks on Saturday. Whatever your plan is, communicate that ahead of time so that you, there's no like in the moment awkwardness or surprises that you have to manage. And that gives them time to kind of process what the information that you've shared with them. Those are my quick tips on the vacation, but that is something that I would just spend some time with like uncovering what you thought, what you think about sticking to your plan on vacation. Right. Um, Noticing how those thoughts are going to either direct you in one way or another, letting yourself be uncomfortable, work on those urges and having a plan ahead of time. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, friends, you're so welcome. Don't forget to sign up for what's next. And we're doing one more class. So, um, Amanda, if you're still here, put the link in for them to sign up for the last class which will be that last weekend in January. And we're gonna do an evaluation together. So we talked about what to do if you overdrink. I also recommend that people do an evaluation for the month so they can kind of clean up their thinking um, about what their experience was for the month and have a fresh mindset as we approach the new month. So um, we will email this out. And if we don't get it in the chat before we close out here today, I will put that in the email in the recording. And make sure you get in on that class. That will be a workshop style class where we're going to be doing some writing and things together. And you will leave that class feeling good about what you've done, learning about yourself and know exactly where you're going for what's next. Okay, so don't forget to sign up for that class. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Amanda. So click on that link that she just put in there. That's going to open up a separate page. Do that right now before I close down the Zoom <laughs> and then just put your email in there and sign up for it. And if you don't get to it, it's fine. We'll send it out in the replay as well. You're welcome. Hi, Regina. Oh, thank you. This was, um, yeah, it's a bigger planning. It says, I am it and you are it at the top. And that was done by Anna Drew. She's an artist in Indiana. I am it, and you are it. That means we are the solutions to our stuff, okay? Oh, the little one. Oh, this one? This little, yeah, this was a, um, thank you. This was, I led an outdoor retreat, a nature retreat. I'm really into connecting with the trees and the forest. And I led a nature retreat. And I had an artist come and do an outdoor painting class of the forest. And this is my painting that I did. Thank you, (laughs) Kelly. All right, friends, you got this. Okay, have a good afternoon. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye.